Can I tell you, I have started BPM three times. Lucas! Sandra, it's so long. It's two and a half hours it's long. It's like half a Snyder Cut. I didn't watch the Snyder Cut. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm really into Snyder Cut being a new unit of time. Here's the thing. I think you need to make an event of it. I'll do I it. I think you need to like... It'll happen. Not just watch it alone. I think you need to Nobody like... wants to watch this movie. Nobody, Nobody wants, wants to watch, to watch it. Oh, Nobody people, wants no to watch it. No one has taste. I'm the only person with taste. <laughs> Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butt. Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the Oscar-nominated film, The Father. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, who is one of your favorite fictional fathers? I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and my favorite fictional father is a man who keeps himself out of the fray for most of the story, which I love. Um, he's a he's a he's definitely a girl dad, um, and he cries a lot, which I absolutely love. Um, in the movie version of Pride and Prejudice, I'm talking about Mr. Bennett. Oh, Lucas, you might have. I, that's not my answer, but it should be. <laughs> he's the best dad for sure. Yeah, yeah, he is one of the best dads. Damn. Okay, well, my answer is certainly not as good as that. Um, I am Sandra Amstutz. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, I, the person who just kept coming to mind um, was Bob Belcher from Bob's Burgers. Mm. Um, he's just a good dad, you know? He he's a good dad. often exasperated, as dads <laughs> often are. But you but you never sense like he's always he always loves his kids and he loves his wife and he's just trying to be a good yep, a good dad for sure yeah um well we're gonna talk about dads a little bit more later on in the show um but before we do i want to know lucas what are you feeling this week this week i am feeling a tv show which i don't know if anybody other than me are able to watch <laughs> this is a show that's on discovery plus um a new streaming service that came out in January. Um, it is a program called Race Across the World. So this is a British program. It's a it's a competition uh, reality show. Competition, not reality show. A that is reality show. I guess it is reality. <laughs> um, <laughs> where basically teams of two um, are put together and they are given. They they have to make it from one destination so season one is they're going from london to singapore um from one destination to the other and they're given the what the equivalent of what would be the cost of a plane ticket from uh, to that location but they're not allowed to fly so they have mm. to make it across, with the money that you have you just got to make it to that location um they can go by sea by air it doesn't matter or not not by air <laughs> they can go by sea <laughs> by land they, they, they can go however they want to get there um and they use the money that they have for food and accommodations. Um, and they can stop and, like, earn money along the way. But it is a race. And so if you run out of money, you you run out of money. Um, they, and they can't have phones or credit cards. Um, and they just get a world map. And good luck. <laughs> um, and so each episode, they're having to make it to these checkpoints. Um, th and every episode you're kind of checking out these teams and seeing how they uh, you know how they're doing um in the first season when they're they're going from london to singapore um i watched all of this in like two days um <laughs> it was fantastic it was so so engaging and so exciting to see people travel even if it's traveling in like terrible conditions nothing like how i would travel at all with no phone and um on these like rickety trains you know going across mongolia and stuff like that but just getting to see people out and about in the world was uh very exciting to me yeah. also it's it's a reality show that isn't uh too aggressive i think right you need your you need your reality soft and sensible i i, I really 
really do. I really do. <laughs> it, it doesn't have, um, it doesn't feel like it has like fabricated trauma or, uh, you know, putting people in peril for the sake of the show. It's very much just these people are kind of doing their thing. And there are, I mean, there, there are parts of peril. The second one, the second season, they're going from uh, Mexico City to uh, the tip of Argentina. And so they're passing through countries that are uh, sometimes in the middle of a war. And <laughs> it's, very difficult, and so the, there there are some things that are there, there. There's tension in the show, so I'm not saying it's like the the sweetest, nicest, softest thing, but it doesn't feel fabricated in a way that's like, oh, check out what happens on the next episode when this person got sick or something like that. It's just kind of like this is what's happening, and we're just kind of showing it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love the relationships that kind of form between these two people because it's it's two people who knew each other, so it's like best friends or you know a father and son and like things like that, and they really do a good job of kind of showing you how these people kind of grow and change over what could take sixty days to get to <laughs> these different locations, just kind of racing across the world. So I've loved it. I'm in the middle of season two right now. Um, again, this just um, this uh, not Disney Plus. <laughs> Discovery Plus, there's way too many streaming services. Discovery Plus um, launched in January, and this show has been um, on in the UK, obviously, but this is the first time that the US is getting a chance to see it. So this second season that I'm watching now launched in the middle of COVID, uh, and they are now, um, I think, on hold, but they should be filming season three soon, which I'm very excited about. So have you ever watched The Amazing Race, is my question. Yes. I, yes, that, does, that's actually a great point. How does this compare? <laughs> I like this better than The Amazing Race. I think because it doesn't feel as orchestrated. Aggressive. Classic yeah. me. Um, mm, yeah. A lot of these uh, competitors are, you know, kind of like talking to each other, and you have these checkpoints. So people are like meeting in, talking about how they got different places, um, helping each other out in a lot of situations. And I think it's just it just it feels nicer. It's obviously a competition, and I think it just feels um, it feels less TV ish, I guess, than the amazing than the Amazing Race. Totally, I think the Amazing Race is fun, but it also throws in a lot of. Um, I think more dramatic elements to make it exciting. Um, and I just like seeing the places. I think a lot of times yeah. these people also, because they're stopping and working in places, you get to see um, a side of these countries that are just like one, uh, one couple stopped and worked at an elephant farm. Another one, you know, shucked sugar, sugar cane for, you know, a day. And you just get to see very interesting things that I think are uh, not the big highlights that you would normally see in something like the amazing. Yeah. Race. Thank you for bringing up The Amazing Race. I meant to talk about that because obviously this is a comparison. <laughs> no problem. Um, I also I also have a question about like, is this the only thing you're watching on Discovery Plus? Or is this like a streaming service that has other things that you're interested in? Great question. This is the first thing that I've started watching on Discovery Plus. Um, but they do have like all of HGTV is on Discovery Plus. Um, all of the Food Network is on Discovery Plus. So all of those things are things that I will absolutely jump jump into. Um, all right. Well, thanks for telling me about that. I have. It doesn't seem like my kind of show, Lucas, but it seems like a show that like my dad would love <laughs> for sure. And I don't it's mean that as an insult. Show. I mean that as like a it's 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 nice to have those in your back pocket. You know, <laughs> shows that like your dad and your brother you can like throw out there, being like, "Hey, heard of this? Absolutely, think you'd like it? <laughs> absolutely." Uh, I want to talk about one thing that I have been feeling this week, which is um, a new podcast series on the, one of the Ringer's podcast channels. Um, I'm a big Ringer podcast fan. Podcast fan. I listen to a series of their of their shows, and one of their channels is called Ringer Dish, and that's it. It hosts multiple series of podcasts on their one feed. Um, they kind of it's a little complicated the way that they do podcasts, but Ringer Dish hosts a lot of like their pop culture focused podcasts. And a new series that they've started is um, titled Every Single Taylor Swift Album, or Every Single Album Taylor Swift, I should say. And it is two of one of their ex- experts, Nora Princiati, and a music executive, Nathan Hubbard. Um, talking about each Taylor Swift album and making their way through her discography. And I have become, I've always been a large Taylor Swift fan, big Taylor Swift fan. (laughs) Um, But this year I have found myself diving in 
like in a way more intense way than I ever have before. Um, something about this pandemic has really just made me like focus in on one musical artist and listen to pretty much only her. Um, and so this podcast came at kind of the perfect time because I've always been more of a fan of, you know, the new Taylor Swift versus the old Taylor Swift. And this podcast has forced me to go back, listen to all the old music. And what I really love about this show is the way that they not only talk about, you know, the highs and the lows on each album, but the way they analyze her history and how her career evolved, Um, especially having Nathan Hubbard, who is a music executive in Nashville as she was, you know, becoming a star. And he's someone who's been in the industry and and knows how her fame and her um, talents have been, you know, kind of manipulated throughout the years in the industry. It's been really interesting to hear his point of view. Also, I'm obsessed with Nora Princiati's view as kind of um, a woman and as a similar age to me and how she relates to this music. Um, They make a great team and it's really fun to hear musical analysis, pop culture analysis, and like industry analysis all at the same time. Um, So if you're interested in all of those things and if you're interested in Taylor Swift, this like limited series podcast on the Ringer Dish feed, I highly, highly recommend. It's been so fun to listen to one of her old whole, one of her old albums in full, and then go listen to the podcast episode and kind of work your way between those two listening phases. Um, I've been having <laughs> a blast doing it. Have you checked this out at all, Lucas? Are you interested? I in haven't. This? I need to. I I love the Ringer podcasts. They have so many that I can't keep up. But this yeah. is definitely one that I'm gonna gonna dig into. I that's that's fantastic. I I'm really excited about that. Yeah. For anyone who's unfamiliar with the Ringer podcast, um, I I do just want to explain. If you subscribe to Ringer Dish, you're gonna get more than just the Taylor Swift episodes. You're gonna get their pop culture episodes and episodes where they review the challenge and so you might have to like sift through to find the episodes you're looking for um but it's worth it they in general they have a plethora of podcasts around yeah sports what? and pop culture um and so finding the ones that you're interested in i think in in general both their sports ones and their pop culture ones are very very interesting and i think they do a really good job of talking about those and the people overlap so you get i mean I've, right. everybody at the ringer are people who are interested in pop culture and sports and so um nathan hubbard also writes go- golf articles and nora didn't know what's that princiati i know that she covers Princiani, football yeah, she covers the NFL, and so so the, it's just a good, it's a, very interesting. I think to me, the the mix of stuff that they're that they're kind of churning out over there. Yeah, um, it's it's a, it's a really cool cool network. What Ringer podcast do you try to keep up with? Consistently, I listen to uh, the Watch. Um, I listen to the Rewatchables. Um, I listen to. I feel like there's a third one that I'm. Uh, you listen to the Big Picture. Oh, the Big Picture. Yep, that's yeah. It. Those are the yeah. three that I'm like, I almost listen to every single episode. The rest of them, I just kind of pop in every once in a while and check what they've got. <laughs> so Right. So, um, the Dish is, is is one that I haven't subscribed to, mostly because it's mostly ones that I'm not interested in. Yeah. And so I just, it just doesn't come within my feed. Um, but I'll it's definitely check in on the... celebrity gossip related, and so that, that doesn't seem as much of your, your right. vibe. Um, I listen to every episode of The Watch. Um I listen to every episode of uh, on ringer dish. There's like a lot of sub series. Um, so on ringer dish, they have one called jam session, which is um, Juliet Littman and Amanda Dobbins from the big Amanda Dobbins from the big picture. <laughs> Juliet Littman is um, big at the ringer. They host a kind of a pop culture focused podcast called jam session where they talk about celebrity gossip, but they talk about it in a way that is really analyzing also like how, celebrities manipulate media or like use media to their advantage or disadvantage and how the media interpret interpret celebrity gossip. And so I really appreciate their specific point of view on celebrity gossip. Um, and then I also listen to, I used to listen to the big picture, but I can't keep up with that show anymore. They, they put out an alarming amount of episodes and it's, you know, a little too much to listen to. Um, and then 
when Bachelor is happening, Juliet Littman hosts probably the best Bachelor podcasts like out there. Um, <laughs> she has amazing guests from the show, people who worked on the show. She, um, I trust her point of view. So batch, all of my Bachelor opinions are, are funneled through Juliet Littman um, during Bachelor season. Nice. Yeah. And oh, and rewatchables. I'll I'll tune in every now and then. Yeah, rewatchables is a fun. It's such a great concept. It is. Um. Well, like I said, I'm feeling there. The Taylor Swift series on the Ringer Dish feed. I hope people will go check it out. Let's move on to our section that we like to call In or Out, where we talk about some movie trailers that just came out, and we decide whether we are in or out on seeing those movies. What is it? in or you're out right now can i say i'm so glad that we're getting trailers again trailers been, are back trailers have been hit or miss over the last year or so but i feel like we're we're now consistently seeing trailers again which is very exciting to me well we're finally starting to see trailers for things that we're gonna see in theaters which hasn't yes. been the case <laughs> for a year essentially right yeah. um and so Let's talk about whether we would actually go, assuming that it's safe <laughs> and we're not having to risk our lives in order to do so. Let's talk about whether we would actually go to the theater for any of these movies. Let's start first with um, the new LeBron James starring Space Jam, A New Legacy. Is that the full title? I didn't know it was called A New Legacy. That's what it is on IMDb. Okay. Good yeah. to know. Um I thought it was Space Jam Ready Player One because it, it's <laughs> not just the Looney Tunes that we've got in this movie. Apparently, every Warner Brothers property ever is, has been shoved into this thing. Um, I'm not excited about this. I wasn't excited about this when they announced it. Um, I'm not excited about it now that I've seen the trailer. I think LeBron James is um, a funny person mm -hmm. in some movies. Um, I don't know how he's going to do, like, starring in a role. I mean, Michael Jordan also wasn't a great actor. So, I'd, like, no. that's not why people come to this movie. So, so I'm, I'm not worried if he can, like, hold together an emotional through line. What I'm worried about is, is this movie going to make sense? I think what was fun about Space Jam 1 was seeing Michael Jordan hang out with the Looney Tunes. Um, I don't know if people are excited to see LeBron James hang out with um, the Warner Brothers IP plethora. So this is something that I'm not excited for, but, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> how about Here's you? my question. Did you like, were you as a kid into Space Jam? I was very into Space Jam as a kid. Because when I watched this trailer, I found myself, it was really hard for me to really determine whether I was excited about the movie or not, because... I was so excited literally just hearing the song. Like, that <laughs> song started in the trailer. Everybody get up. It's time to jam now. And my blood started pumping. And I was like, I am <laughs> so ready for this. It was, I mean, it is a bop. It was instant how much that song got me thrilled and excited <laughs> for something. And so that really just kind of gave me a clue into, like, that's exactly what this movie is. This movie is just, like gonna play on that nostalgia fully you know and hopefully be like a fun time for kids while it does so and what i did appreciate about this trailer is it looks like big and colorful which you know great but also i am incredibly excited about seeing a the charismatic villain performance from Don Cheadle. <laughs> like, will he be in Don Cheadle form for a lot of this movie or not? What do you mean by that? I mean, in the trailer, he looks like Don Cheadle. I'm curious if he's actually going to look like Don Cheadle for most of this movie. Oh, do you mean like he's going to be like an animated figure? Right, exactly. Got it. I think he's going to look like Don Cheadle. That's my bet. That, that would be fun. That, yeah. That's my hope. Yeah. I just think from those slight little moments we saw in the trailer, I was already just so hooked on whatever he was bringing to the table. <laughs> and um, if the movie's smart, they'll give a lot of airtime to him because I think it's going to be really fun to watch him play that. Um, and yeah, and I think LeBron James, James is funny and charming and I'm happy to sit through on a summer day and watch him be that and watch some like goofy basketball um I, i'm 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 in on this trail on this trailer and this movie i don't have high expectations but i'm yeah. in 
like it's the nostalgia has got me in. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I hope kids love it. This is yeah. not something I'm going to be watching at all. But as a kid, I loved the Looney Tunes and I loved Michael Jordan and getting to see them hang out together was probably the most exciting moment of my childhood. So, yeah. No, if, if 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 this is what kids are getting, that and that's what they want, absolutely. Let's do it. Well, it's so funny to think of like, you know, you were excited to see Michael Jordan hang out with Looney Tunes. I have never been a sports person, but I loved the Mighty Ducks and Space Jam so much as movies. And it's like <laughs> fun sports movies. There's nothing better than that when you're a kid, you know, like that is like the peak of entertainment. And so, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, All right, let's move on and let's talk about the trailer. There's actually multiple trailers that came out recently for... James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, not to be confused with Suicide Squad that came out several years ago <laughs> that is, you know, my enemy nemesis enemy film. Um this is a I guess sort of a sequel, um a reboot, a sequel, we can, you know, we'll we'll to be determined, but it is directed by James Gunn and it is coming out in August. Um I want to ask you, Lucas, which trailer did you watch and how are you feeling about this movie? I watched both of the trailers. The Red um, Band and the red not band. Red Band. Yes. <laughs> and the G-rated trailer, I guess. I don't know. Sure. What the, probably not G. Um, anyway, I watched both of them. I, listen, we, I guess we talked about, you talked about the Suicide Squad. Right, because you um, never saw Suicide Squad, right? We were going to watch this. Me and Lawson bailed. Yeah, because so, we didn't want to watch the movie. So you and Brent talked about the Suicide Squad. No, um, no, no. I just got to correct you there. It's just Suicide Squad. Sorry, just Suicide Squad. Yes. Right. Because <laughs> this is the Suicide Squad. You're right. The, this is re- the, the way squad. that they have named this is gonna just. Ugh. So I still haven't seen it. Um, but what this trailer made me do is made me think that if I want to see The Suicide Squad, I might have to watch Suicide Squad, which I had not contemplated doing. I watched the Harley Quinn movie without seeing Suicide Squad. <laughs> but I might have to watch Suicide Squad for this, which is impressive, I think, that they made me interested a, a, a little bit. Um, this trailer looks good. I like James Gunn's stuff. I, he's He's weird. He does... I think stuff that is actually perfect for this group. So I just want to, this is the first time I've been interested. I, I in just it. have to tell you, please don't watch suicide squad. <laughs> like, you, I'm sure you won't need it because if James Gunn is a kind and merciful human being, he wouldn't make it so that you had to see that movie before you watch this one. Um, that movie is so bad. It, this movie, however, the suicide squad, I am really excited about. So, I went into the original Suicide Squad really hopeful because it had such a great trailer. And now I know that bad movies can have great trailers. But I was, like, particularly fond of the trailer that was cut for Suicide Squad. Great, great trailer. Oh, just as far as trailer cutting goes, kind of an ex like expert-level job. Um, I think it might be in the top ten trailers. It's like so good. Yeah. So that is an amazing trailer. Really amazing trailer, really bad movie. Um, offensive movie. I, I hate it. And so I have, but, but all that to say is I was drawn to this concept, right? I was drawn to the casting. I was drawn to this um, flash and style and this sense of humor. Um, I just don't think the original film executed on any of that well. So the fact that it has come back we have the same concept, a little bit of a different casting, some of the original, but mostly fresh and new. Um, and that same sensibility is on, at present, but it's in the hands of someone who I trust and who has proven himself to make really good movies and be really good at towing the line of like weird and offbeat and almost offensive humor. Um I'm so excited to see James Gunn's take on this. Um, and I'm excited about this cast. It's like, uh, James, only, James Gunn is like the best person to handle a, bun- a group of weirdos. And this movie 
went even weirder than the first Suicide Squad film. So I watched, I also watched both trailers, the Red Band and the Regular. And the Regular is probably a better trailer in like getting you, giving you an understanding of what the film is going to be. But the Red Band is where all of the dirty jokes are. And so um, I think it's fun to watch both. I, the, this shark man that's in these trailers, I can just see him becoming like a cultural phenomenon. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I, I, what I will say for anyone who was considering watching Suicide Squad because they want to watch the Suicide Squad is that Harley Quinn is the best part of the whole film. Um, and you're, you'd much be better off watching the Harley Quinn movie. Um, and then if you need to, maybe like YouTubing a few of the like Will Smith scenes. Um, it's, it's not worth watching the whole film. All right, fine. I might not watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean to browbeat you. I really just looking out for your best interest. No, I agree. I mean, I, I've spent the last, what, five years. Right. Very happy with my choice not to watch it. So (laughs) I, I, I've often considered like when, when Harley Quinn was coming out, um, trying to put together or, or, or researching like a a good edit of Suicide Squad that's just like the charismatic scenes and none of the like messy filler or like, you know, stuff that is infuriating and just yeah. trying to like, and the edit wouldn't make sense necessarily, but you get the vibe. Um, anyway, that's, that's something that if I ever have endless amounts of time, maybe I'll, 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 I'll resort back to. Okay, so we have one last trailer I want to talk about, and that is for the A24 film that I have been highly anticipating called Zola. Um, Zola is based off of a Twitter thread that went viral from a user named Zola about a, you know, trip gone wrong, a wild road trip gone wrong, um, full of stripping and sex work and murder and danger. Um, and it was told by, you know, this like stripper on Twitter who was just amazing at, you know, weaving a tail and it's semi based on a true story apparently. And so I remember when that Twitter thread went viral and being hooked on the story. And so I've been anticipating this movie ever since. Um, and it was really exciting to have a trailer finally come out. Lucas, what did you think of this trailer? I think it's a good trailer. I like Riley Keough. Um, I'm very interested in kind of the story that's being told here. I think um, it's a movie that I might not love, but I am very down to watch it for sure. I think this might be the first movie with a screenplay credit that's like based on the tweets by. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm excited for all the think pieces after this to talk about how you turn a tweet thread into a full-blown movie. Yeah, this movie seems like it's going to be great. and But I do appreciate that in this t- trailer, it does seem to be taking in the Twitter aspect of it. You know, I don't think they're going to shy away and just pretend and just tell the story as is. I think they're going to include the fact that this was a story that went viral on Twitter and use the language. Part of what made the story so en- engaging is that Zola, the storyteller, was, not only was she a great storyteller, but she also had, like, this great sense of, like, lingo and and terminology and language um, to her. And I think that this script is really going to take advantage of that, and I'm excited to see it. I also love Riley Keough. Um, I'm excited for Nicholas Braun, you know, playing a very Nicholas Braun character, um, this movie, this trailer to me felt like my, a version of like a Safdie's brother movie that I am into, you know, <laughs> right? Like it takes yes. place over like one long weekend and it's like the tension keeps racketing up. But this, what this movie seems to bring is like a wicked sense of humor that I think is going to be really fantastic. Um. To, to balance out all of that tension. Yeah. Yeah. I laughed a lot in this trailer and yeah, I can't wait. Zola, I think is going to be one of my, you know, it's one of my most anticipated movies of the year and it's coming out in the summer, which I'm so grateful that it's coming out soon. Awesome. All right. So we've talked about trailers. We've talked about what we're feeling 
And now it is time for us to talk about the Oscar-nominated film, The Father. What did you know about The Father before it was nominated for Oscars? Um, I knew it was impossible to watch because it wasn't out anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew it starred uh, Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman. I knew it was based on a play, and I knew it was about a man struggling with dementia. That was, uh, that's what I knew. I mean, How about you? That's more than I did. I, I, I think <laughs> I knew there was a movie called The Father starring Olivia Coleman, and then, it, and then all of a sudden... It was nominated for Best Picture. Um, And so I'm mostly blaming that my lack of knowledge on the year we've had and how what a strange year it's been for movies, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, it is wild to me that there is this movie that is a Best Picture nominee. What else? Did did Olivia Coleman also get nominated Um, or just It is nominated for six Oscars. (laughs) Okay. Can you tell me which ones, you know? Yes. Best Picture Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins, Best Supporting Actress for Olivia Coleman, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, um, Production Design. Yeah, th- th- okay. that's it. Okay, got it. Those are the six. Yeah, for a movie to have six Oscar nominations and for me to like be almost completely unaware of it is something that doesn't usually happen. Um, and so we both, you and I, I know, wanted to watch this film – I, I guess I should speak for myself primarily because we want to be Oscar completists, right? Um, yeah. We want to see all of the best picture nominees if possible. And um, otherwise though, this is a film that while I probably would have said looks good and sounds good, sounds like it would be very good. would really be hard to get me to watch um, because of the subject matter. Um how, are you the same way? Will you dive into films with like hard subject matters like this, or do you kind of put them off? I w- I will. I think for me, ones that are based on plays, I'm I'm not against obviously movies based on plays, but I think those tend to be a little more, uh, probably a little more rough <laughs> mm-hmm. on the emotional spectrum. They they tend to to hit a little deeper, and so this is probably one I not would have avoided, but definitely I think would have been a little skeptical kind of going into if it hadn't been nominated for an Oscar. I think the big thing for me is just that it wasn't available anyway for the longest time. And so you heard that it was going out in screeners and so that it could be nominated. It was nominated at the Golden Globes, but it was truly not available to watch anywhere but the UK in theaters. And that was it. And so nobody had seen this movie. And so finally, it's available um, for streaming. Yeah. So, the, so I think I think all of that just leads to kind of a little bit more build up to this movie. <laughs> it getting nominated for six, six Oscars and not being available to watch anywhere. I think mm-hmm. uh, made me more interested in watching it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and for me, I think uh, th- these types of movies are things that I. I know that they're going to emotionally wreck me or I know um, sometimes there's a ways I want to be emotionally wrecked and ways I definitely <laughs> don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those where I'm like, I don't want to be emotionally wrecked in this way. I don't want to stay up at night, you know, thinking about my own mortality and the mortality of my parents. Um, even still, I am grateful. I'm gr- some oftentimes grateful when, the Academy nominates movies like this and for my, my completest nature um, makes it so that I, I need to see them. And then I, and then I make myself see these movies. Um, so let's talk about the father and how we felt about it. What did you think about this movie, Lucas? I thought it was great. I think, um, so this is basically the story of a, a man struggling with dementia. Um, and I, so I think, I think, for people who are dealing with that, this movie's going to be triggering. For prop, more, more so people who are dealing with family members who are dealing with that, I, I think this movie's going to be uh, hard to watch um, because you're watching specifically Olivia Coleman kind of go through this experience of watching um, her dad uh, 
fall apart's the wrong word, but it, I mean, that's, that's kind of what is happening. Um, I think what's really interesting and what I really love about this movie is that you do see things from his perspective a lot of times. And mm-hmm. so there are a lot of confusing and disorienting um, moments and environments that he f- kind of finds himself in. Um, a lot of it is set in one flat, one apartment um, that sometimes he feels like it's his, sometimes he feels like it's his daughter's. Um, and it kind of, the, the I guess the context is consistently changing um, around him, um, but it's it's mostly in his head about trying to figure out, like, where am I, what's happening, who's here, what's going on. Um, and I think it kind of displays that really brilliantly. And so you're, you're constantly on edge trying to figure out what what's happening in these scenes which is the same thing that he's doing um i think anthony hopkins is absolutely amazing in this this might be one of my favorite performances of his which is insane to say because anthony hopkins has been in <laughs> some of the greatest things ever um i just think he plays this so beautifully and the, the character has so much depth to it like you you get aspects of him as a younger person and like just you can just tell by his face that he feels younger than he is in some scenes and um just kind of how in some scenes you can tell oh this guy was funny at one point you know this guy was a charmer this guy um was mean like there are just different aspects of his personality that kind of come out at different points um while most of the time it is kind of hidden behind this trying to seem like everything's okay and seem like I'm in a normal environment and I understand what's going on kind of uh, facade, which is ooh, devastating. Yeah. I watched this film and as I was watching it and watching Anthony Hopkins performance, it was one of those things where it's like, how is this even possible that someone could pull <laughs> off a performance like this? It truly yeah. is kind of breathtaking. And if I wasn't an actor, I think I would watch a performance like this and just give up. Like, be like, well, I mean, <laughs> I can never do something like that, so why am I still doing this? Yeah. Um, it was, it's it's pretty amazing that Anthony Hopkins could pull off this performance. And I, I don't know how old Anthony Hopkins is, but I have to imagine that, like, you know, as actors age, leading performances like this get more difficult, you know? I, I would imagine they're yeah. exhausting. I would imagine, like this much screen time and this dedicated of a performance is an exhausting endeavor. And so that added on to how good it is just makes it even more impressive. And so, yeah. So the main, my main takeaway from this film is that Anthony Hopkins delivered just an incredible performance and should receive a lot of awards for it. Um, (laughs) I haven't, you know, I need to, I, I don't even remember who all is nominated for Best Actor this year. I'm so out of the loop, but I'm trying to think of who his main competition would be. Um, it's Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> oh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's Sa- that's that. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, this is this is the year that this is happening, and so right. Um, I I feel bad for him to, for having to go up against Chadwick Boseman, but this yeah. is. I feel like in any other year he would have this in the bag. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think the movie rests on his shoulders and his performance. And because of that, the movie is very good because he is very good. Um, But also what makes this movie so great is the tone that it chose for the film versus, you know, I think what a standard film about a father with dementia would be. I think a standard film about a father with dementia would be this family drama, right? Where, you, it would focus probably more on the daughter, even though it's called the father. Mm-hmm. It would focus on the daughter and her, um, how her life is affected by her father's dementia, and you know the the pain that it that it, that causes, and um, and the fact that this film is almost entirely from his perspective, and instead of being a family drama, decides to be a psychological thriller. Um, and have the tone of a thriller is a genius choice, a genius way of telling this story. You know, I, I think, I think of Sound of Metal earlier this year and how that movie really takes a lot of effort to have us see things from the point of view of someone with a hearing disability and 
and, and try to like fully like live in their shoes. And this movie does the same thing for someone with dementia and the way that it puts us into that perspective. Um, I've never seen a movie do anything like this before with this specific subject matter. Um, it's really impressive. It's a movie that I can acknowledge is incredibly well done and I don't have any critiques of it. And yet at the same time, it's still not a movie that I would have to say, like, it wouldn't have been on my top ten. I don't know that it's a movie that I'm going to recommend to a ton of people. Um, and I don't know if I would have nominated it for a Best Picture. I want to know if, if you would. <laughs> if you think it would be is good enough to be a Best Picture nominee. I think it's one of those movies that um, is really just about immersing you in a environment that you're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what is missing from this movie, and it, I think in an intentional way, I don't think this is something that like the movie lacks by accident, right? But is the um, the emotional connection, like the, the emotional connection that like really drags you into the story and makes you, um, I guess, f- I feel like normally there are emotional connections in the story that help drive through the plot and make you want to continue the story with these people. Mm-hmm. I think. The point of this is just to set you in this environment that is disorienting and, like, making you feel what he's feeling. Right. And so there is no plot. There is no... Right. Um, there can't be a plot because right. he can't keep track of a plot is the exactly. problem. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think and so I think you get that emotional connection to him, but you don't get an emotional connection to the story because there mm-hmm. isn't a story. Mm-hmm. And so I think it does exactly what it wants to do perfectly. It's just not a movie that obviously most people are going to come in and be like, wow, I really enjoyed that. Right. Um, it's it's going to be devastating, and you're going to walk away thinking that was a good um, almost art piece as opposed to right. like a great movie. It, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I agree with that, you. Yeah, that, so I, I also am going to be like, this is going to be hard to recommend to people. I do think um, it's going to be hard to watch. I think for people who have family members struggling with dementia that they're very close to, it's going to be very difficult to see. Um, but I think it's a it's so well done that if you're interested in that, if anything that we've talked about sounds interesting to you, I would 100% recommend watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just going to be very few people that I would actually <laughs> put I think that one, forward for. One thing I, I, I'm realizing is that I'm very grateful that I saw this film now when neither of my parents are experiencing dementia, you know. Um, but that is a possibility down the road. and And so to have this perspective and to gain this empathy for this kind of struggle – um now rather than later is something i'm grateful for you know um and it was fascinating to watch because it does seem like the whole point of the film is to like i said like we've been saying learn the perspective and gain empathy for people um who are suffering from this and you know you think of course people would have sympathy for this you know for people in this Mm -hmm. position and yet this film highlights all the ways in which people's patience, you know, even the best hearted people's patience runs thin or people who don't have empathy or patience for um, the elderly. And I'm hopeful that this film can reach out to people and touch their hearts and make it so that we live in a kinder world. Ultimately. I think, yeah, like, like you said, like that empathy piece for not only him, but also the people in his life is Mm -hmm. really important. And it's just hard. It's exhausting for everybody. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, it's very hard. And it it doesn't also come out of it with like a solution either of like, this is how you should (laughs) deal with this. It's just, everybody's having to deal with it in their own way. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. It's does, hard. does dementia run in your family at all? Alzheimer's? I, guess? I mean, not that I know of. I mean, I think my grandfather, who died um, a couple of years ago, he had it at the very end, you know. But yeah, but it, it's not. It's not something that I think you know has been a, a a family issue essentially. You know, across the board that I know of. Have, has, does it with you? It doesn't. No. Um, yeah. As, I mean, as as far as I know, I don't know. If, right. There are outliers, but for the most part, no. But it is in Rebecca's family, and so I think that's something that um, 
is going to be part of our life. Yeah. So it's it's just something that like thinking through like this is what the future, you know, you know, could could look like. Obviously yeah. not specifically this, but you know, that that is something that I think is a reality that a lot of people don't deal with until they get there. And so right. having like putting this in front of people of saying like this is <laughs> have conversations about it now like that I think that would be helpful mm-hmm. for a lot of people is just like before you get to that point to right. start having conversations about like what do you actually want your life to be like because once you're at that point it's impossible to have that conversation exactly um this is not the kind of film that we would normally have like a large spoiler conversation for no but there yeah. are I think surprises in this film that I do want to talk to about your reactions um yeah so I guess now is when we would have when we would say spoiler alert. So <laughs> spoiler, it, but again, nothing, no plot craziness going on here. Right, exactly. So. Um, he's not. It isn't. He he is the father the whole time. Like, he, doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't turn out to not be the father. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about some spoilers for the father. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, crack and gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. Um, I want to know what, how you reacted the first time the character of Anne was played by another actress. <laughs> it's very funny. So the first scene is Olivia Coleman, right. um, and he calls her Anne. And as soon as he called her Anne, Rebecca immediately goes. Her name's not Anne. Anne's the other daughter. <laughs> and so and so then as soon as you see Olivia Williams um cut walk walk in as Anne, I I thought Olivia Coleman wasn't real or was the other daughter or something mm-hmm. like that. So I thought Olivia Williams was the actual Anne. Um and so then when it switched back, it like it took me a very long time to figure out like who's who? What's going on? Is it, are, are there two daughters? Is, you know, is Olivia Williams one of the daughters? Um, so I felt very disoriented about all of that. <laughs> How about right. you? I think the very first time I thought, so I, I well, the thing is before the second Olivia Williams, walk, when Olivia Williams walks in, before she does, there's the husband, right? And yes. um, he, he walk he comes in and this is before I know it's going to be a psychological thriller. And I think, <laughs> oh, no. Like, she is, like, having this affair and she's going to Paris. And <laughs> she's, you know, she's going to pretend that her father doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, like, I thought it was yeah. going to be this, like, marital drama. And <laughs> with, like, the dementia father being used as a tool I was mm. like, I so had the movie wrong, and my I had all these expectations. <laughs> and then when the new Anne comes in, you're like, oh no, this is gonna be like twists and turns throughout. Is kind of how I yeah. felt, um, because that scene really not only had like this new actress playing his daughter, but like that was the first scene I think where it also played with like a shifting timeline, like. Yeah. She brings in the chicken, and then I think at the end of the scene, she's like bringing in chicken. Like the chicken dinner is also kind of yes. like this recurring <laughs> twist and turn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, then there's the scene where then Olivia Coleman comes back, and then they replace the husband with another actor. Um, once I realized what was happening, once I realized that you know the actors would always be shifting and the the furniture would be shifting and the time mm-hmm. I think my favorite way that they pulled that off was when he comes in and he overhears the conversation in the dining room and then sits down and a fight breaks out and he leaves and then it loops back again right yeah um yeah funnily enough I know that this is not where it originated from but it reminded me of all the TikToks that I watch, you know, because like <laughs> creating like a perfect loop on a TikTok is like a special skill. And um, and and the fact that this movie did that, you know, was it was interesting in this day and age. Um, yeah, I it was, you know, and it was upsetting the not knowing where you are, uh, you know, the point of the film is that it's an upsetting feeling. And so. To not know, to to meet the Imogen Poots character as his caretaker, and 
to not know like whether she's real or not, you know, like mm-hmm. to to have the scene where he gets hit by the yeah. husband and to not know like is this really happening, you know? Like I'm assuming it is, but yeah. There's so many scenes where something happens and people are like that never happened. I never told you I was going to Paris. Yeah. And so I think the way that I was decided to watch it is to just view each scene as its own scene in which everything in the scene is real. But as a film, mm-hmm. it's a collection of scenes that don't make sense, you know? Yeah. I think that's how I, I took it as well. It's like in the moment, all of these things actually happened. Right. Um, it's just who's doing them. His memory of like who the person is, is changing, which right. is fine. And none of it makes sense. But it all actually happened, which is scary. Yeah. I suppose like if I if I if I try to think about it long enough, I can come up with like my idea of like a timeline that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know? That like maybe that there is a real a timeline in which he was living with Olivia with Anne and her husband and then they divorced because her husband was, you know, a prick and um and then he was living alone with, you know, caretakers that he ran off. And then eventually she met another person who she ran off to Paris with. And, and it ends with him being in a home, but um, either maybe all of it happened in a different order or only half of it happened. And, you know, I mean, the way you said it is how I pictured it as well. It's like, yeah. that feels like the actual timeline in my right. head. It's really hard. And the ending is just devastating. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. So incredibly devastating. You know, movies like this that tackle subject matters where there is, like, just no right answer, it's really hard to reckon with. It's really hard to know, like, how painful existence can be, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this movie was painful. It was thrilling. I think it was expertly made um, and expertly performed. So... I'm grateful to have seen it, although, like I, like we said before, I, I have a hard time placing where what this movie, where this movie would rank or be for me in the in my history of film. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it sits outside of the rest of the films that we've really talked about this year, right? Because um, again, to me, again, to me, it feels more like just an art piece as opposed to like a narrative film <laughs> yeah um and so that's just kind of how i view it so it's it's like something that i'm very excited about um as a, as a piece and that it was made but it's not like something that i'm like yes i would love to see how it stacks up against you know right <laughs> totally. um you know promising young woman or something like that so. <laughs> right it makes me really wish i could see a play version of this yeah. um because what's the way that this film is edited, and I and I'm actually am excited it got an editing Oscar nomination because mm-hmm. the way it's edited and the way, you know, the the scenery changes and the way the scenes flow, um, is really genius. And I wonder how you do that live on a stage. You know, obviously with actors coming in and out, I can visualize that, but how you visualize the apartment looking different in different scenes, I'm I'm wondering how that gets pulled off. Yeah, I'm very curious about that. I, yeah. I don't know. So it's directed by the director and writer of the play. Mm. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious like what all he changed also. Right. Um, from the play version of this. So, yeah. All right. Well, next episode, we're going to be making our Oscar predictions and settling some scores. So get ready for that. And why don't we tell people where we can fi- where they can find us online? Lucas, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Omstead. So you can find our podcast Twitter account at Feeling It Pod. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yeah. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 